how do you navigate your changes? Or moments of, of, of where big things are happening um, in, in, in your life when you don't maybe know. Or maybe when things, change, things are changing and you don't even really love the idea of, of it changing that direction. Like, like how do you respond in times of transition and change? Or when you, when you look ahead and, and things aren't how maybe you ideally Do you freak out? Okay, first of all, I'm going to give some, some, some verbal words here. No elbowing, Okay. You freak out. <laughs> uh, do you get grumpy? Do you get angry? Do you, do you become a real um, difficult person to be around? Do you worry? Do you fret? Do you lose sleep? Or does anxiety start to take over? You know, like, like, like do you become consumed on, the, on a fearful thought about changes or, or, or transitions or, or things like that? Uh, I, I, I know, I doubt that any of those announcements that I just made has thrown any of you, and, and we care about our other locations, but personally, like, how, how do you respond at the changes that you've been going through maybe in your life in the last year and a half, or going into the autumn here, maybe not everything's all sorted? How, how do you navigate that? I, I, I want to propose a, a question, a simple question for us to ponder when we look at uncertain moments. Or where we look at less than desirable future possibilities. I want you to ask yourself the question, can you see God in your moment? Can you see God in your moment? Your moment, what, whatever you're going through, whatever you're looking at, whatever's staring right in front of you. Can you see God in your moment? Uh, when, when I think about what's going on with Southside... And, and we've never had a, a lead pastor transition before. I'm sad. I'm sad that, that uh, Ruth is leaving. Ruth is sad that she is leaving. But I'm not shaken at all. I'm not worried. Like, like even though this is a huge transition, even though it wasn't part of my plan, like, I'm completely not shaken. Why? Because I can see God in this moment. I can see God in this moment. Again, Crooksy and Jamie, like their story is, is so special when it comes to the outcome that we're looking at here. I remember Crooksy coming to me years ago, um, maybe three and a half years ago after fasting week in January. If you're new here and you're like, fasting week in January, ah, don't freak out. You'll love it. Anyways, uh, so, so they came to me after fasting week and they were like, Brian, we've been fasting and praying about starting a church on the south side. Like Rehope Southside. How do you feel about this? I'm like, yeah, I think it's a great idea. This is obviously before Rehope Southside anything ever happened. And like, okay, how do you feel about us leading this? I'm, yeah, it sounds sounds like a good idea. And they've just been praying and praying and praying about it. But then God veered them quickly in an unexpected direction. And he gave them this, this opportunity that they really prayed through and felt like God was calling them to go to Portland and to work at this church over there for, uh, for several years. It's been three years. They weren't sure if it was two to five, but, you know, just kind of open to whatever. And, and, they, and they were like, okay, we feel like God's calling us this direction, but we want to come back. And we have a heart for this. And so they did. And they took that about a week or so later, I don't remember exactly how long, Rehope Southside became an actual possibility. And I remember telling them, and they're just like weeping. I'm like, you're leaving me. No, but they're, they're, they're weeping. They're, they're gutted because they, it's been so much on their heart and their mind that, 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 that this would be um, part of their story and their, their future. And they're eager to want to be a part of that. 
And then, uh, yeah, so then that's been go that went going on. They've moved on. They moved over to Portland. Well, like I said, this last several months, I don't know, February, March-ish, started talking to them about moving back and looking at different potential locations around the city. And finally, they, after months of this, they were just like, you know, the thing is, Brian, all we really have a heart for is West End and Southside. That's really all we have a heart for, because Crooksy Lyric worked down there, and, and we know that area, and we care about that area, and, and this area here in the West End. That's all we really, okay, and I'm like, okay, well, let's just pray about it and see what happens. Over a very short period of time after that call, I mean, within a month, maybe within two weeks, started to get this here from Ruth that she's looking at moving, transitioning on. And I'm just, I just find myself marveling at what could be unfolding before me in light of knowing the whole story. And then, I, and then, you know, Kelly and I are talking about this, and we're having conversations with Cooksey and Jamie, and we're like, what do you think about this, maybe? Southside. And, and it just felt like everything clicking into place. And everything just being like, wow, this just feels so good and right. And, and for all the sads about Ruth transitioning out of her role, um, I'm just marveling and delighting at the, at the movement of God here. At his orchestrating, his divine orchestrating. Zero freak out because I can see God clearly in this moment. In fact, actually, because I can see God so clearly in this moment, and actually because um, these, these, the, this kind of clarity is, is unusual, right? It, this is a special moment. I actually expect things to take bigger steps forward than we would guess. Because God has so clearly been orchestrating this and orchestrating it for years going back, back several years. When you look at your life and when you look at your situations that you're facing, maybe your worries and anxiety moments, can you see God? Can you see God in your moments? Psalm 23 is a very special psalm to me, and, and I have a very personal story behind why it's so important to me. I'll tell you sometime if you want to ask me about it later, that's fine. Uh, but it's, since it's not important for right now, I'm just going to say it's very important to me. Psalm 23 begins with these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, or even when I go through the, walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. And that's, and that's it right there, what I'm saying. Even when I'm going through the darkest valley, the biggest challenge, whatever, whatever it may be, um, I fear no danger because for God is with me. Can I perceive that? Can you perceive that God is, is with you? Even if a moment is scary, even if it's, uh, if it's undetermined, even if it's unnerving and it, it could go bad, it looks unpleasant, the darkest valley or whatever, can you see when, that God is with you and where God is at in, in, in that, those moments of your life? If you're feeling anxious or uncertain or, or afraid, you don't 
need to be. You don't need to be worried. And what I want to do is keep encouraging you to keep asking this simple question, maybe in prayer. God, where are you in my moment? Where are you in this thing that looks, that looks uncertain, that looks unpleasant? Where are you? And then as you get a sense that God is paying attention to you, and that God is here, and that God is there, don't waste your life in needless worry. Choose peace because you choose to trust the one who is there in that moment, God. You choose peace because you choose to trust the one who's there in the moment. Let me give you an extreme example. I love extreme examples. This one's right from the Bible. Very extreme. So I was thinking about the, um, the fall of Babylon this week. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's as you do, right? I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm not the only one. Uh, thinking about the Old Testament and the fall of Babylon. And you, maybe you, you can think through some of the famous stories um, of, of, the, in, of the fall of Babylon. You got Belshazzar having this feast, this king of Babylon, Daniel chapter 5. He's having this feast. He brings out the goblets and stuff from the Lord's temple that he had taken to Babylon. And a hand shows up. Remember this story? And a hand writes on the wall, Mene, Mene, Tekel, Uparsin. And everybody freaks out. They freak out because this hand appears and writes on the wall and nobody knows what it means. I mean, you read the descriptions of how people are feeling and freaking out. The freak out is high. This, this just happened. Nobody understands what's happening. Eventually they call in Daniel and Daniel um, does not calm their anxieties when he interprets the, the meaning of the, of the word. And he says, meaning, meaning, your, your days have been numbered and they're now come to an end, king. Uh, tackle, you, you have been weighed and found lacking or wanting. Uparsin and the Persians, the kingdom of the Medes and Persians are, are now going to take over here. Okay, it's, it's, it's all bad news. And then the Bible says that night Belshazzar was slain and Darius the Mede takes over. So that, that's, that's part of the, we read that in Daniel chapter 5, although that's not really what I was pondering when I was thinking about the fall of Babylon. When I was thinking about the fall of Babylon, I was thinking about the Jewish people living in the city. All of them. And, 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 what, and what, they were, what they were going through. They're under siege. The people of the city. The Medes and the Persians are surrounding Babylon. It's going to fall eventually. It is going to fall. That's what happens. The, the siege craft in that era, masterful, eventually it's going to fall. And... and and I'm just thinking, like, do, the, do we remember what is actually at stake when a city falls, when it's under siege? What, what do you expect to happen, even just reading the Bible and knowing a little bit about the past, like, what do you expect to happen when a city falls after it's been under siege by a foreign army that's, that's out to destroy you? Well, um, it's awful. You would expect awful every time. There's lots of examples in the Bible, like, um, it, but it's just always bad. Sometimes everybody's killed. Not, not always, but sometimes it happens. Um, sometimes uh, many people are killed, and, and many, many of the rest are shipped off as slaves from a long ways away and spread out and dispersed. Definitely all your stuff is gone. You, you get looted by the foreign armies, and so you lose all that. Sometimes it... it, it, it there's shameful stuff that happens, like remember Nahash, the eye gouger, everybody loses their right eye, or maybe a thumb chopped off, like, uh, sorry, but it's awful, and, and I, I even say this out loud, and I'm, I'm disturbed by even thinking about it, and yet it, it's a reality that these people are facing, there's an unknown as they're under siege in Babylon, God's people, 
What is going to happen to us? And maybe you think, well, they're, they're the Jewish people, and so maybe they're going to have a special status. No, remember Jeremiah the prophet told them to integrate, basically, in, to seek the prosperity of the city. And we know little glimpses that they're at different levels of, of leadership in Babylon. You had Daniel, high-level leadership, kind of retired at this point. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had been in leadership. And, and, and so it's not like the Jewish people were like a slave force like they'd once been in Egypt. They're, they're, they're spread out in, in leadership and role throughout the city. They're part of the city. The foreign army is not going to come in and be like, okay, you guys are, are okay, and then uh, and take care of all the rest. They're just the people of the city now. So whatever happens to the people of the city is going to happen to them. So th the natural reality in this moment is, is anxiety, right? What is going to happen when our city finally falls to this army outside, outside of the walls here? What, what's going what's to happen to us? But the thing is, God was in that moment. God was in that moment when they could have expected only bad. God was in that moment. Now, Daniel's not freaking out, and we kind of know why, because we get some insight in the book of Daniel. He knows, and it, it, it's written in the book of Daniel, he's aware of Jeremiah's prophecy that 70 years is going to be the extent of this, their time in, in Babylon. And he's been praying about that. So he knows it's, that, there's a, that God is in the moment here of, of change and end. If he's read the book of Isaiah, which I cannot imagine he is not. Isaiah, written 200 years earlier from this moment. Isaiah names the king outside the gates by name. Cyrus, my servant. Hey, so so if, if he's paying attention, he knows, okay, there's a... Cyrus is, is, a God, is God's instrument in this moment, that God is in this moment. That Cyrus out there, here we are with, um, after 70 years. Daniel can see God is in this moment, but I'm not saying all of God's people can. And you, you know what it's like, even if you kind of think God could be in a moment, it's also really easy to freak out based on what was naturally most likely to happen. I'm not the only one, right? Where you're looking for naturally most likely to happen unless God does something extraordinary, it's going to be really awful. Okay, so that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm thinking about there. Anyways, what happens? Babylon falls. It falls and, and the most shocking thing takes place. Instead of all the terrible that usually takes place, instead of all the trauma that usually takes place when a, when a city, especially a, a capital city, especially such a significant city like Babylon Falls, is, is in light of even the last time that Babylon had been overthrown and it was just made rubble and just destroyed and, and over and over. Like, it, based on what normally happened, something unusual happened that, is never, that had never happened yet in the history of the world. This is how unique this moment is. Cyrus. The king of the Persians stunningly starts issuing the most radical decrees that are so good for God's people. One of the decrees, you can, anybody who wants to can go back to Israel, to the, to the, to, to, to the land, the, the, the land whatever, your own homeland. Anybody who wants to can go back there. You, the last two empires have removed everybody from their homelands intentionally. Now the third empire, Persia, you can go back. And I encourage you to rebuild your temple. And 
I will pay for it. And all the things that were taken from your temple, the priceless artifacts and, and ancient treasures, you can have them all back. And you can have them all back for free. Whoa. That, that is not what you would expect when your city is surrounded by enemies and it's about to fall after being un, under siege. But the thing is, it, it, it looked awful, the future looked over, and yet God is in that moment, and so it didn't turn out the way that it could have. Because God was in that moment. I'm sure most of the people were terrified and feeling low on the faith side. But yet, it, it, what, what they experience ends up being one of the most top five greatest moments for God's people in his history. Sometimes the storms in our life, that we, we think of all storms as things that are just going to blow us up. But sometimes the storms are just clearing the way forward. And that's what's going on here. As a side note, since some of you, at least ten of you, like archaeology, here is um, Cyrus' tomb. Here's a picture of Cyrus' tomb. Um, it, from what I've learned about Cyrus, the Persian, the, the king of Persia here, besides Jesus, I think he is probably the greatest king to have ever walked the planet. Uh, all of his enemies, even into the future, with all the campaigns of the Greeks and all that who hate the Persians, never is a bad word spoken about Cyrus, Cyrus the Persian. He is considered the greatest king ever to walk the planet. He abolished slavery. He, re he gave people back, returned them to their, their homelands. He, he financed the rebuilding of their worship systems, which had been taken away. He also, just as a leader, he, he took the tiniest of kingdoms, Persia, tiny in that moment, and made it the largest empire in his lifetime that had ever existed up to this point outside of China. Now, I just say outside of China, I have no idea what's happening in China. But everybody always says, it's better in China. So I, I, I just don't know. I, I, I don't know. But outside of China... Like the greatest, largest, most, most powerful empire yet to have existed from this. So he's extraordinarily su successful, moral, um, uh, merciful. This guy, never a bad word ever said about him. Might be the greatest king to ever walk the planet. And he didn't turn arrogant at the end of his life. Great. Just, just for fun. Now I understand this is an extreme example. The fall of Babylon and being afraid and... Try, trying to figure out if I can trust God in my uncertain moments. But the thing is, like, I just feel so troubled and sad for, for so many people in our city, in our nation, in our world right now. There, there is so much anxiety. Like, things are changing. Okay, there's the, there's the two meters thing, and now it's the one meters thing, and now we can be closer than a meter, and I don't know how I feel about that. I feel like, you know, like, there, there's, there's so many reasons to be anxious right now. And some of the things are big. Like Afghanistan, it is, it is really big. And praying hard. I, I hope we're all praying hard about what's going on there and for God's, God's breakthrough and, and, and all of that there. there. There's so much going on. And yet, so much of us have anxieties just in the day-to-day -day right now. And, and, and figuring out what is it going to look like in the next in the next season of our lives. There's so much uncertainty because change is in the air. And I just feel like there's a lot more anxiety in many of your lives than there needs to be. And what I would really love is for you to enjoy these days more than you are. I would love it if peace was higher and anxieties 
were much lower. That you were sleeping better at night and not, uh, not so, so troubled. And so I encourage you, as you're, as you're, whatever the worries are, big or little, that it, I encourage you, whatever you're facing, to pick your eyes up and, and seek the answer to the question, where is God in my moment here? Where is God? Is God in this moment that I'm facing? Where is he? Because he's here. He's with you. Where is he? I want you to see that. For the last 15 years, my personal aim is to not, uh, as best as I can, to not waste my life worrying. Do you know how many days and months and years have been sucked out of my life due to worry and, 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 and just the uncertainty of it? How much joy I've not walked in because I let potential less pleasant future thoughts rob the current joy? I'm sure I'm not the only ones here, but I'm trying to live a life that, that is choosing to live with faith and expectancy. That even if I don't know how, God is in my moments. That God is paying attention. And even if I go through a difficult time, a dark time, I will fear no evil or danger. Because God is with me. What I want for you guys this season is whatever is natural and maybe even reasonable. The, the worries and anxieties that are reasonable, I still want those to go way down. I want you to find out where God's at work, and I want peace and hope to go up. Psalm 23, as it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. Praise God, right? He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Can you see God in your moments? May peace and hope and joy start to grow mightily in your life as you move forward trusting God trusting God in your circumstances the challenge today is this I want you to write down um, some things you're worried about and you're like Brian after that preach nothing <laughs> praise God uh, write down some things you're worried about pray them through pray through them and Writing down the answer to the question, where is God in your moment? The situation that you're worried about. And then choose trust. Choose peace. That's, that's faith applied. Peace is faith applied. You have, you, have, you have actually chosen to trust God, and so the result that you feel is peace. Yeah, give that a go. Let me pray for us, and then Kelly's going to come back up. Uh, Jesus, I ask... You are the Prince of Peace, uh, and I ask, God, that uh, you would open our eyes, all of our eyes, to see where you're at in our moments, that you would help us to live with peace as we trust in you, and just I, all anxiety and worry, I, 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 I say no to anxiety and worry in this room. I say no to anxiety and worry in your life. Instead, I bless you with the peace that surpasses understanding.
May it guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I suggest praying something like this. God, here I am. I choose to trust you. In fact, Jesus, from now on, I dedicate the entirety of my life to following you and what you want. Forgive me. Help me. Heal me. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.